Morning. Morning. Welcome to our 1030 service on this beautiful May day. Uh, we are, this is the sixth of the seven messages that will be in this um, questions series, question of faith series. Next week, we'll, I'll conclude this series, give you a heads up. The question's going to be, um, can God really, that's the sort of qualifier in these questions, can God really be known? And I would say that just to conclude the series, I'll mention where we're headed next Sunday. But it might be a great opportunity if you know somebody who's asking that question. It uh, might be a great Sunday to bring them. But these questions, today we're at this sixth or seventh weeks, as I said. These questions um, are, um, as the video says, questions that I would say that, you know, as we thought this series up, that many people who are, do not consider themselves Christians have out there in the world. But the, uh, the longer I've been a Christian, the more I see that the questions that Christians have often are very the same questions. We come at them a little bit differently. But the big questions, the core questions, are asked by both uh, people who are, call themselves Christians and those uh, who do not consider themselves Christians. But this, less, th- this series of messages was not meant to be exhaustive. Of course, it's only seven weeks. But if I would say, what is it really all about? What's the, maybe what are we really trying to get at? I might say the question that's deeper than all these questions. It's what does it really mean to be a Christian? Right? Because it's hard to answer that in one statement. It's hard to answer that in, in you know, one sermon. There's a lot of answers out there that people might give. And a lot of those answers, I mean, the world is full of, I'd say, a lot of wrong answers about that question. If we were to do like a man on the street or woman on the street interview. And a lot of half answers. But what does the Bible really say? And we do our best in seven weeks to answer the question, you know, what is a Christian? Now, the passage we're going to look at today, and the question we're going to look at today, is in all four of the Gospels, and that's not true of every passage of Scripture that Jesus uh, speaks words. They're not always in all four, but this one is. It's a very well-known passage. My guess is that if you've been in church at any length of time, this is a passage you know you've heard before you could uh, quote or paraphrase. If there is a spiritual secret, okay, to the Christian life, I would say this passage represents the spiritual secret of the Christian life. But many people, including me uh, at times, find it a very hard truth to live by because, in a sense, the world that we live in live in is organized against this great truth. So the question I want to try to answer today a little bit is, can self-denial... Jesus' words you'll see in a minute, not mine, really be the way to true life, or as one writer says later in the New Testament, the life that is truly life. Can self-denial, saying, what do I mean by self-denial? It's saying no to yourself and yes to God. Not once, but as a way of life. Can self-denial really be the way to true life? The passage we're looking at, familiar as I said to many of us, Luke 9, at least Luke's version, verses 18 through 25. Follow along as I read these words. Luke 9, 18 through 25. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? What's the word on the street about me? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about You, he asked, what do you say I am? Or who do you say that I am? How do you answer the question? Peter answered, God's Messiah. 
Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now we get to the passage I'm referencing. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Can self-denial really be the way to true life? Now this famous passage in context, which is why I started reading in verse 18, is really about identity, right? It's about identity. It's a huge, huge question that we all need to answer, but boy, oh boy, is it a question that's coming up more and more in our own day. It's a, it's a question about identity, and it starts with Jesus. Now, this is really about the disciples. It's really about you and me. This famous passage, Jesus says to his disciples, right, that's verse, verse 21, whoever wants to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. But it really begins with Jesus. And what Jesus wants to say is he wants to, he's trying to make a point. What do the crowds have to say about me? And then what do you say? And he's making a very simple point, but it's, 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 uh, it's germane for what he's saying here. Is what the world says about me is going to be different than what is true. Okay, so the world says, you know, they, they, they said, well, what's the word on the street? Elijah, some of the prophets, there's all, that, those aren't the, all the answers. Those are the, those are the good ones, you know. The, I think in Mark 8 it says, they said to Jesus, he's the prince of demons. He's the devil himself. So there was all kinds of answers out there. And Jesus is just trying to make a simple point. That if you're going to stop with what the world says, you're never going to get there. If you and I, maybe this is a, a way to start answering this question about what does it mean to be a Christian in this whole series. If you can't answer the question, who is Jesus, in a way different from the world, you can't be a Christian, in a manner of speaking. Because Jesus is not, there's many things the world would say, but let me give you the two most popular ones if you give people the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to say something horrible. They're going to say, he's a, he's a great moral teacher. And I suppose Jesus is a great moral teacher of a kind, but that is not fundamentally who he is. Or Jesus is a great example. We often say, you know, what would Jesus do? Can I live my life like Jesus? And I think in many ways I could find passages of Scripture say, gee, I, I would like to aspire to live like Jesus. But that is not fundamentally why he came. He did not come to give a lot of moral teaching. And he did not come to be an example. He came, who do, who, who do you say, Jesus says, you're God's Messiah. Okay, Messiah's got nothing to do with moral teaching. Messiah's got nothing really to do with um, being an example. I don't follow Jesus by getting up on a cross. Messiah means I came to save people from their sins. That's why he came. But really, Jesus' focus is in the verses that follow. But all Jesus is trying to say is, listen, what is true of me will be true of you. That is to say, the world, what do the crowds say? And if you're trying to answer the question, who am I? Or what does it mean to be a Christian? If you're going to go to the world to get an answer to that question, you are never going to find out who you really are. Because the crowds are going to give you all kinds of different answers. 
over the course of your life. What will be true of me, Jesus is saying, is going to be true of you. Right? So he says, let me try to help you find a way to answer this question in a way that is different from what the crowds say. Three things. Can self-denial really be the way to true life? Number one, in this very famous passage, Jesus is saying in so many words, true life begins at the end of yourself. Right? True life begins at the end of yourself, which sounds very odd and counterintuitive. What are you talking about? Isn't true life about looking inside and seeing what's there? You know, be true to yourself, be true to your heart. What does your inner voice say, etc., right? True life begins at the end of yourself. The word life, I circled it twice in verse 24. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. There's three words in the Greek language, which is the underlying uh, 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 word uh, language that's written, the New Testament's written in. Three words that are translated life. The most obvious one is bios, where we get the word biology, means, you know, the, the, your, 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 bi, your biological system. But this word is psyche. He says, he that finds his life will lose it. He that, whoever loses their life will find it. The word psyche, which means identity, which means personality, which means selfhood. In fact, Eugene Peterson, if you've ever read his paraphrase of the New Testament, this is his translation of verse 25. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose the real you. It's a good translation. This is what he's trying to say. That when Jesus says, he that finds his life will lose it, he that loses his life will say, who's the real you? Who's answering that question for you? In our culture, every culture, ever should say, including our own, points to certain things and says this, if you gain this, if you achieve this, if you acquire this, you will have a selfhood. You will be valuable. You know this. Those of you, this is true of all of us, but those of you who are maybe going into college or into graduate school, what are you going to, how is this degree, how is this life choice, how is this spouse, whatever the case may be, how is it going to help me gain a life, acquire a set of uh, experiences and skills and opportunities? How is it going to gain something in my life? Because I'm building my life. I'm building an identity. That's what our culture says. All the time, Every day. What Jesus says here is, be very careful because that'll never work. Why won't it work? Because if you're building your identity on some idea, some relationship that somebody loves you, or you're building your identity on some career achievement or career success, and that relationship goes south, and they often do. Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> or if that career comes to a halt or that great thing you've sunk all your money and your time into comes to a halt for decisions that may have nothing to do with you, then guess what? In many cases, you don't know who you are anymore. That's what Jesus is saying. He that builds, who, who, he who spends all of his time trying to save his life, he's not talking about from death. He's saying if you're trying to build an identity, you're trying to construct an identity, and you're putting it in the relationships that you have, you're putting it in the things that you acquire, you're putting in an achievement, be careful. Because you might wake up one day, and it's all gone. I came here a few years ago, actually 18, but uh, I've only had two church experiences, my first church experience, big church in Dallas, Texas, right out of seminary, 
in many ways, it was more than seminary for me. I learned so much there uh, in that experience of nine years. There was a guy there who was a great minister, great name. Some of you might even know his name if I said it out loud. But anyway, he, he had a great influence on me. And for some of those years, he was, he, I took counsel with this man. He spoke into the deepest parts of my life. I left there about five years or so, five, six, seven years after I left there, he had an extramarital affair. After that affair came out, he was asked, as you would expect, to step back from that ministry uh, that he was involved in, that I was involved in. And about a month after that, he took his own life. Now, <clears throat> I knew his wife well. I know her to this day, his two now adult kids, and, you know, there, there, there's no simple formula for people that do that. It's not like if this happens, not everybody that loses their job or loses something or has a, a moral failure ends up taking their life. So I can't simplify it down to one thing, but the best I can answer and the best my friends who are his uh, friends, old friends, can answer is he woke up and without his job, he didn't know who he was anymore. Right? He didn't know who he was anymore because he had sunk all of his identity into that career and when it was gone overnight okay he didn't know who he was C.S. Lewis the end of the great uh, book Mere Christianity compl- or, or, or comment- is a commentary on these very words of Jesus give up yourself and you will find your real self lose your life and you will save it submit to the death of your ambitions keep Nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run, in the long run, only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Self-denial is not giving up on sweets. That's not what we're talking about here. Self-denial is giving up on yourself as the Lord of your own life. And the sooner you learn that, whether you're 17, 27, 77, the sooner you learn that, the better. Because you have no idea what a day may bring forth. And that thing you're sinking your life into... Even your beautiful family, that's not a bad thing to sink your life into, can be gone that fast. What good would it do if you gain everything you want and lose the real you? Second thing this passage teaches us is true life is found in service to others. See, this is really a positive passage. Maybe you don't, this isn't on your refrigerator or on my refrigerator because we think it's about martyrdom. We think it's about, you know, taking our lumps. We think it's a negative passage. It's not a negative passage. He doesn't say, Jesus is not saying here the purpose of life is that you lose your life, that you throw it away. Those of you who are into Buddhism, you know, Buddhism is, you know, the, the all soul. We immerse ourselves. It's, 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 it's saying no to all desires and immersing ourselves into the all soul. That's Buddhism. That's not what Christianity is at all. Jesus says to lose yourself does not mean to throw your life away. It's that we finally, in saying no to ourselves, find our lives here in part today. And 
in the coming kingdom entirely. Luke alone, which is why I chose this passage, Luke uh, chapter 9, uses the modifier daily. Isn't this something? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. I circled this daily. Now the other three um, gospels, they don't put that modifier in. I assume Jesus said it, but Luke's trying to make a point. What's he trying to say? He's saying, listen, let me tell you what this passage isn't about. He's, he's trying to shift the emphasis from martyrdom. What is martyrdom? When somebody dies for their faith. You know, you've heard these stories, missionaries, such and so and so and so, and they gave their life for their faith. They were persecuted and they died. And that does happen. But it doesn't happen to most Christians. And in, 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 in the disciples, Jesus is saying, listen, Luke is saying really, uh, or Jesus is saying to us through Luke's writings, listen, it's not about martyrdom, it's about sacrificial living. You could say this, a way of life that could be called cross-bearing, you've all heard that, or many of you have if you've been in the church, it's a metaphor of a kind, a, a, a way of life that could be called cross-bearing, listen, would have to be a life that one takes up. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, why am I pointing that out? That means by definition, it would exclude things like sickness. It would exclude things like a, a marriage gone south. It would exclude things like a job that went away overnight. Because you don't take those things up, right? No one, no one says, I'll take cancer. I'll take, I, I want to lose my job tomorrow. I want my marriage to go under. Those are things that happen to you and me. But that's not what he's talking about. A way of life that could be called cross-bearing is one you take up. That is, it's voluntarily chosen. Okay? It would have to involve, here's the point, denial of self in the service of God. It's a conscious decision to say no to myself in some area, some desire, some ambition, something. Not all things when we talk about ambition are bad. Many of them are good but are they the best? It's saying no. It's making a decision. It's making a choice that my life is not about me. It's not about simply, you know, he that has the most toys, she that has the most toys wins. That's a fool's errand. That's a foolish and stupid way to live your life. And many of us do that because our culture is telling it all. What do the crowds say? That's how you're living your life. If that's where you're trying to answer the question about yourself, well, God bless you. But it may not end well because you wake up one day and you've sunk your whole life into A, B, C, or D and it's gone. It's gone. And or it just doesn't satisfy you anymore. The paths on which there are crosses are paths where human needs are met, prices are paid, and at times hurt and pain is accepted. This is what I'm talking about. The paths on which there are crosses that you and I can pick up as a choice, you don't have to, are paths where human needs are met. It doesn't say my need or your need personally. Pain is experienced. Prices are paid. But it is also, don't miss this, this is why some of us don't love this verse, and we should. It is also a place 
where we find our true purpose. That's the point. As long, Jesus isn't saying this because Jesus is some kind of killjoy. Jesus isn't saying, I want, I, I want to create a bunch of people so they're unhappy. <laughs> no, of course not. If you, if you being a parent, you've heard Jesus say this, love your kids enough to want to give them everything, how much more will the Heavenly Father want to give you something far greater? Your Heavenly Father loves you. But he says, oh, here's what breaks my heart, that you're, 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 you're wasting your life on very small things. On things that are going to burn up that aren't going to mean anything. When all of all along there's a there's an opportunity for greatness in a manner of speaking, and you overlook it day after day after day. Okay. It's also the place losing your life and finding it in Jesus of true purpose. I don't know how many of you know. Many of you may not know the name Beth Kusi. Some of you do, but most of you probably don't. She's been in this church for, for many years. And she was in this auditorium, and she was even here this morning. But, I mean, she was here years and years ago. And, and God did a work in her heart just on one old Sunday. And she said, listen, I have a desire. It's been on the back of my mind. I want to, Browncroft was involved and still is involved with some, some city schools doing reading programs, etc. And she said, I'd like to organize a bike ride for some of these kids, junior high kids, who she knows at 3.30, 3.45, they're going into many of them, not all of them, into uh, the school's the best part of their day. I'd like to organize uh, bike rides for these kids. And she decided to do that. She did it once. She did it twice. She got her small group together. Eventually, she started a ministry. Many of you wouldn't know it, but if you see this big trailer over there on the east parking lot, it says, pedal for life, that's it. It was birthed out of a desire she had. And she and her friends and small group people from the church had been organizing rides for kids from the rec centers in the city between May and October for the last 13 years. Now, I asked her about how has that experience impacted your life. This is what she said. For many years, okay, true life is found in service to others. Following my divorce, I struggled to put my life back together the way I'd always thought it would be. I had a full life and full-time career and as a school administrator, which, by the way, is what she still does, but it still felt lacking. I was lonely and was working to find meaning and purpose. The Pedal for Life biking ministry was birthed out of a challenge to the congregation to think about our part in reaching out and supporting the city of Rochester. I remember running out of service with heart pounding because I'd been thinking for over a year about wanting to run bike rides for city kids. I felt like God was asking me to pursue this desire he had given me again. There are many weeks where I find myself wrestling with the time to give to this ministry. But what is amazing is how I always feel during the rides. God fills me with joy, a sense of fulfillment, peace in his presence. Pedal for Life was birthed out of a need to find meaning. What I experienced was that when I began to look outward and serve God, my life became filled with that peace and joy that I had been lacking. I stopped struggling with feeling alone. It was through this ministry that I met Matori. She was nine years old when we met. And now I've gotten to know her whole family. Aside from the bike rides, 
Matori and I have developed a relationship and spent a lot of time together. Matori is now 21 years old. She was in this auditorium two Sundays ago. I could not do this on my own. This has been my, a, a group effort with everyone playing a valuable part. Our small group has become a chosen family because of our continued work with Pedal for Life and our time together. God has used this to bless us with his presence. We often feel, as she and her small group and her friends, that we benefit sometimes more than the kids do. That's the point. Nothing will give you more joy. Nothing will give you more sense of purpose. Nothing will give you the sense of meaning. Pedal for Life was started because she was looking for meaning, right? Than changing lives the way that Jesus did. This is what it means. Back to our question, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it's all about me. It's, it's Christian version of self-help. No, you, you, you got the wrong message. He that finds his life, that makes it all about you, that makes it all about your resume or your, your, your accumulation or your achievement, that's a dead end in the end. That's what Jesus is saying. But if you find true purpose, and you, it, it's, it's in changing lives like Jesus did. Listen, whether you're a school administrator, whether you are a businessman, a businesswoman, a, 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 a full-time parent, a plumber, it doesn't matter. You don't have to go anywhere. It's a mindset. It's saying no to yourself and yes to God. Finally, true life is based on the love of God. It's very important to get this. The most important words in this passage are two little words in the 24th verse for me. For whoever wants to save their life, what does that mean? I'm not talking about from, from dying physically. He's talking about who wants to accumulate, achieve, construct some kind of identity. Right? Whoever wants to make it their own ambition to construct some kind of validation will lose it because it's here today and gone tomorrow. But whoever loses their life, the two most important words in this passage are for me. Now in Mark's version, Mark chapter 8 for note takers, he says for me and the gospel. What Jesus is talking about here is not for me as if he, Jesus is some sort of, you know, egocentric guy that says, I, I want you, you have to sort of take the pledge and follow me and, and say that I'm great. He says, for me in the gospel, what he's saying is this, unless you root your life in the gospel, in other words, you, you get your identity not from what the crowds say, who love you today and hate you tomorrow, or are going to tell you all kinds of things, you're spending your day breathing, in breathing, and out breathing, hearing these words. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. I love you. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love that I might know how to live my life. Okay? He's saying, rooted in me. Rooted in me. Jesus is saying, Jesus' word, he's saying in so many, any performance-based identity, any performance-based identity will fail you, whether that's about career, whether that's about success. Listen, it could be uh, about your family. Any performance-based identity will fail you. Jesus' words 
to you and to your old self, right? That is, what is your old self? What does he mean by that? An identity built on what the crowds have to say, okay? Will fail you. He's saying, listen, root your identity in me because it's in the gospel that your heart is actually healed, that you create, you, you, you experience true freedom. And as, you exp- as your heart is healed, as we just saw here seven times this morning or whatever the number was, where your heart is healed, where you begin to have the freedom, not only forgiveness, but the spiritual power to not be dictated by your small ambitions, dictated by your small uh, desires, dictated by your sins and desires that undo your life, and you are free to truly be who God made you to be. That's what it's all about. This is a positive passage. The true life is based upon the love of God. Once you begin to see the love that's at the heart of the gospel, listen, and allow it to move you viscerally, to move you experientially, and you come to a place and realize, and your identity is not built on what you can do, it's not built on who loves you. I'm talking about another human being. Because that fast, they can go but your identity is built and rooted on the gospel. He or she that loses their life but, but, but finds it for me in the gospel, that's something no one can ever take away from you. Right? That's what he's trying to say to you and to me. The old approach to identity, if you take this counsel, is gone. Listen to these words. We're almost done. Mother Teresa And I'm sure she's commenting on this very famous passage. Love is a one-way street. It always moves, watch this, away from self in the direction of the other. Love is the ultimate gift of ourselves to others. When we stop giving, we stop loving. When we stop loving, we stop growing. And unless we grow, we will never attain personal fulfillment. Isn't that interesting? You think God wants you to have a boring life? You think God wants you to have a you know, half glass full? No, he doesn't. He's saying, listen, get after it. I created all the beautiful things in the world. I created everything that's good, everything that's wonderful. It's about personal fulfillment. But it's not found in filling your own cup. We will never open out to receive the life of God. Isn't that interesting? I almost, when I first read it, I thought she, she, she has the wrong word in there, right? You open in. No, you open out. To receive the life of God. It is through love that we encounter God. It's a powerful statement. It's a, it's a Mother Teresa way of saying what Jesus is saying right here. Be careful. You don't gain the whole world and lose the real you. You don't gain the whole world and lose yourself. He's not just talking about dying and going to hell. That's not the sermon here. He's talking about an empty life, a wasted life. He's talking about waking up, God forbid, as my friend did and said, I don't know who I am anymore. My kids are gone. My job is gone. You know, this and that is gone. Who am I? I've wasted my life. That's what he's worried about. But if you're rooted, so what's the answer to the question? Can self-denial be the way to true life? Yes, it can. But it requires at least two things. Number one, this is daily, by the way. Circle the word daily here. You have to root your life in the gospel. 
It's not just, oh, I became a Christian when I was 17, and now I'm 27, I don't know if I believe anymore. Now I'm 37, and I don't even go to church anymore. Well, why is that? Because you don't, you don't, you've misunderstood the gospel. The gospel isn't this check-the-box thing. See, that's why, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, I, I, answer, I, I raise my hand in a church service, I'm born again, or whatever. That's not what it means to be a Christian. See, you're not getting the full story here. You're not answering the question. Is the gospel is something... Let's put it this way. How many days can you go, I'm not a scientist here, and not drink any water? Someone will say three, or I don't know what the number is, okay? But the point is, that's a good metaphor for this. The gospel is something you need to drink every single day. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. We did this prayer experience. Um, the family ministry did it, and, and, and adult ministries did it a, a couple months ago. It was genius, and they, they had different rooms around the church, and one of them was a room that said identity. You walked around. I remember seeing that, and I thought, I wonder what that is. I thought it was, I thought, uh-oh, I don't know what it was about, you know. I didn't organize it. I just thought, I don't get it. And I went in there, and it was all these full-length mirrors. And on the side of them were scripture verses. You know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Let the morning bring me. And, and you're looking, and I thought, that's genius. That's genius. But listen, that needs to be a way of life. That needs to be a way of life. You need to root your identity in the gospel. And here's why you need to do it every day. Because the world is coming at you 24-7 and saying things that are not true about you and about me and about God. Who do the crowds say? If you listen to the crowds, let me tell you something. You won't be a Christian for very long, or if you will, you'll be a Christian in name only. And you'll blame God and you'll blame the church and you'll say, oh, this, that, and the other thing and it's fuddy-duddy. No, it isn't. You're not, even, you're not even dealing with the real thing. That's the real issue. Who do the crowds say that I am? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, what do you have to say? Right? What do you, where are you getting your answers? You need to get it in the gospel. And then second, that's a daily task. Then you need to seek opportunities, is the point of the message, and you can do it in small ways before this day is over to say no to yourself and yes to God. Do you think Beth Cousy thought 13 years ago when she organized a single bike ride on a Saturday that she'd be doing this for 13 years that would touch hundreds of kids' lives? God only knows. And she didn't give up her job. She didn't sell her house. She just stayed faithful. And she says, it was a, what was this all about? It was about finding meaning. She didn't even go out to do it to do a good deed. She said, I want to find meaning in life. God said, okay, say no to that and say yes to this and see what happens. Amen? Let's pray. God and Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I pray for all of us, beginning uh, with myself, and just pray, Lord, that you would help me to take the advice of this passage, to take the advice of this great book, uh, the, the, the Bible, that says that we do live in a world, you know, as Martin Luther said, you know, uh, that is devils filled. Who are we kidding? It's not a neutral environment. This world is always been, not just in the 21st century, always been a place that is cursed by sin, that is troubled by many things. And if I go to the world to get a report card on myself, I'm going to find, um, as C.S. Lewis said, despair, rage, loneliness, uh, horror, horror. But Lord, we have the opportunity every single day, doesn't matter where we live or how much money we have or don't have, 
to open your word and let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love that we might know over time who we really are, that we can say no to ourselves, our small ambitions, our, our anxious, ridden, um, uh, you know, hunger for validation and come and be filled and heard and, and loved by your son who you sent into the world with this very purpose. And Lord, that we might be freed to, as Mother Teresa said, reach out and receive the love of God. Help us, Lord, I pray. Birth dreams in this place today, Father, to do immeasurably more than we ever asked or imagined. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.